join me in the book of Philippians. Be in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, it is summertime, and we have people traveling already. And I'm glad that people get to travel, but I'm also glad when they come back home. You'll notice Pastor Dan is not with us today. Uh, he was in Michigan for his brother's wedding this weekend. So we're glad for Phil, but he is making his way over to camp. You can pray for Junior Boys Camp. Pastor Dan is the host pastor for the week at Junior Boys Camp. And then uh, I believe Paul Simpson is going up as a dean. And Lucas and Stanley are going up as counselors. Pray for them. I believe the list of the boys that are going are in your bulletin. Uh, so you can pray for their counselors every time you pray for each of those boys, and then they'll have a good week, right? It'll be a good week. I still hear pages turning. I assume you're finding Philippians. It can't be that hard. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, we'll pick up where we left off last week, all the way down in verse number 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word this morning. Bless it by helping us to understand it. Bless your word by helping me to speak clearly the truths of your word. And Father, bless your word that we would go away not only knowing or being challenged in something, but that we would do the things that we see in your word this morning. So we ask for your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Philippians is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, to the believers in Philippi. We started out last week looking at the introductory verses to all the saints along with the bishops and deacons, or the elders and the deacons. The overarching theme of this letter is that believers would be like Jesus. Man, that sounds nice and simple, doesn't it? But simple words does not mean it's a simple action. And we'll see as we go throughout the book that uh, Jesus has set the standard quite high in how we ought to live. Uh, but no fear. There is also several examples of people who are living like Jesus that are exemplified in the book of Philippians. Uh, we'll see as we go through. Uh, it's, it's Paul, it's Timothy, it's Epaphroditus or Epaphras. Uh, I'm thinking on my feet and that doesn't always work. Uh, but we'll see that we can live like Christ. We're going to memorize a few verses or at least attempt to as we go through the book. So would you say our theme verses with me this morning? Philippians 2, 5, and 6. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, uh, can you put that back up? Yeah, thank you. That last word, grasped. 
means to hang on tightly. In other words, he did the opposite of hanging on tightly. He held those things loosely. All the advantages that Jesus had as had and has as being God, as being uh, the God, the Son, who's lived in all of eternity, united with God, he held those privileges and those advantages loosely. Why? So that he could come and be our Savior. Uh, yes, we're going to get to this verse eventually and preach it, but there are some, uh, some depths in here that I want to bring out along the way, and that's the word today, grasp. That he didn't cling tightly. He, he held loosely. Uh, these things so that he could give them up for a time to be our savior. Moving on, verses 3 through 11, uh, we're not going to go through quite all of those this morning, but verses 3 through 11 are a prayer that Paul pens for the people of God. Paul often would write out prayers in his books, and, and they reveal Paul's heart, Paul's desire for the people. Uh, but they also reveal his gratitude, his encouragement in how God's people are already living for him. Sorry about that. Today is going to be one of those days with my voices. Koinonia is a word that is uh, used a few times in the book of Philippians. It's used twice in our passage today, though in slightly different forms. And if you recall, a few Sunday nights ago, we, we dug deeply into this word koinonia, often translated as fellowship. Uh, and, and so as we get to it in, in our passage today, we will uh, handle them uh, specifically. Uh, the first word is the word we know of as fellowship. The second is a little different variation uh, of the same word, but rather than referring to the act of fellowship, it refers to the people who fellowship or the person who fellowship. So the same concept, just a different angle. Uh, we talked in, uh, in previous messages that this word koinonia uh, is a word fellowship that means uh, to have an association and an activity together. It has to have both of those. And again, we'll look at that more deeply. But if you're following along in your Bible, you may not see the word fellowship at all. If you have the King James Version or the New King James Version, you'll see it, but you only see it once, even though the word is there twice. So like I said, we'll handle them as we get there. But a very important concept, <coughs> this concept of fellowship, our big idea this morning is the gospel is our foundation for fellowship. The gospel is our foundation for fellowship. The gospel is our foundation for fellowship. And the gospel is our foundation for fellowship. Sometimes just emphasizing a different word helps give a clearer meaning. And I just did that. And did you catch it? I won't do that all the time. First, we see the joy of gospel fellowship in verses three and four we see that paul is thankful and joyful he says he's thankful to god i thank my god in all my remembrance of you if you recall last week we talked about how paul uh, was one who helped start the church in philippi and it had been now about 10 years since paul had been with them in person but there was still that special bond that he had with that church Prior to being a pastor, I, I held various secular jobs, uh, doing this, that, and the other thing. And when you work side by side with people, you develop a friendship. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have good friends that you work with. Now, if I were to go back and see some of those 
former co-workers again. We'd have lots to talk about. We would. Uh, we'd catch up on what, what's happened in life over the, the past several years. But if I were to meet up with someone from a church that I had been a part of years ago, we'd have so much more to talk about. In fact, I did an internship at a church in Mason City 25 plus years ago. Oh my goodness. And, and you were there. Uh, anyway, there are connections I have with some of the folks in that church that have run deep for decades, even though I rarely see them. Why? Because our foundation of fellowship is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not a job. Now, jobs are a good reason to have friends, uh, but there is more to friendships and a deeper bond that we experience because of Jesus Christ. There's a, uh, a guy I keep in touch with from Carlisle. Uh, his name is Neil. And when we talk, we hit, uh, we hit some of the same subjects that I might talk about with a former colleague, a former worker. Uh, we talk about family life and how things have changed. But when I talk to Neil, I also talk about some of the people we know in common. He knows some of the people in this church. And so we, we talk about how they're growing in Christ. And he knows that I know the people in Carlisle. And so he shares with me how they're growing in Christ and, and some of the struggles that they're facing. And we have a much deeper relationship because we are brothers in Christ. Paul's ongoing reaction, every time he thinks of the believers in Philippi, is to thank God. To have gratitude for the time that they had together in the past and to express his gratitude for the growth he knows is happening in them even now. So he's thankful. He's thankful in prayer. Verse 4 starts out, always in every prayer of mine. Actually, it goes farther. Always in every prayer of mine for you all. Paul's heart of gratitude shows itself in action. He's not just thankful for the sake of being thankful. He acts upon it. He prays and thanks God for it. Gratitude and prayer really do go hand in hand. If we are truly thankful for something and that gratitude is not in any respect directed toward God, then perhaps we don't have a full understanding of God. Doesn't the scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights? Everything good in our life, everything that we might be thankful for, is from God. If God is who he says he is, if he is the infinite, all-powerful creator, the one who knows all things, who sees all things, who has sovereign control over all things, if he truly is that God, and there's something that we're thankful about in this life, then that gratitude should be directed, at least in part, to him. If someone does something nice for you, yes, be thankful to that person, but be thankful to God. He's the one who brought it about. So Paul shares that his pattern of prayer includes thanksgiving to God for all of them. Second part of verse 4, he says he's thankful with joy. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy joy. There is joy in being part of the family of God. Was it just last Sunday night we talked about the word joy and its various forms in the book of Philippians? It, it appears as uh, joy or joyful or rejoicing. Uh, 
around 20 times in the book of Philippians. And we had uh, a guest with us, a visitor who just happened to show up and happened to be a believer and whose name happened to be Joy. Fun conversing with her afterwards as she related how God had just directed uh, their steps to being in the area that day and being with us last Sunday night. There is joy in being part of the family of God. Even when you step into a church and you're brothers and sisters in Christ and you don't know any of them. There's joy in the family of God. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ that he does know. And he expresses his joy in those relationships. Did you notice all of the alls in verses 3 and 4? I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, similar, close, in every prayer of mine for you all. There's, there's some superlatives going on in, in Paul's mind as he's writing these things. He's thankful every time he thinks of them. He's thankful every time he prays for them. And he's thankful for each and every one of them. We as believers have countless reasons to have joy for one another. But Paul is more specific than just uh, some kind of general joy because he loves these people, because he misses them because he enjoyed being with them in the past. His joy is centered on a specific thing, and we see it here in verse 5. He is thankful with joy because of the mutual gospel fellowship that continues even to this day. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That word partnership is the word koinonia. It is the word fellowship. <coughs> don't think I'm going to have to define this word every time I come to it, but I'm going to define it once more as we did last week. Koinonia, fellowship, is an association of involving close mutual relations and involvement. It is based on relations and involvement. It has to have both of those things to be true biblical fellowship. Our connection to each other through the gospel is both a relationship and it is an involvement. So some of you have uh, larger families. You have lots of family in the area. Maybe lots of cousins. I do not. I have a total of seven cousins. Now, there may be some of you who have far less, uh, but there are some of you who have a lot more. I have seven cousins, and so we are related. We are related because we share the same grandparents. That's what cousins are. Your, your closest relationship are the same grandparents. Uh, but having that relationship, because uh, none of them live in this area, I really don't see them very often. I really don't have a lot of interaction with them. And so even though I have relationship with these family members, I do not have fellowship with them. You see what I'm saying? We're related, <coughs> but we do not have activity together. And so therefore, this this biblical concept of fellowship, we don't share. The same could be true about people whom you have involvement with, but no relationship to. For instance, uh, this was, I don't know, a month or so ago now, uh, there was a, a jazz concert, they were holding it in the in Vets uh, Auditorium, and so the, they sent out the cry for help to help get stuff moved from the high school over to Vets for this concert. Uh, and so I helped. Some of you in here helped as well. 
but for most of the people who helped, I had no prior relationship to. I maybe had seen them before, but I didn't know who they, who they were or, or what they did for a living, didn't really know much about them. But we were involved in the same task. We were setting up chairs and tables and decorations and other things that, that went into getting this room set up. So we had involvement, but we had no relationship. Therefore, we did not have what the Bible knows as fellowship. Do you get what I'm pointing at? Fellowship requires both a relationship and an activity and that constant, that ongoing involvement. There is no doubt in my mind as to why most English translations use words other than fellowship in this verse. Because we have come to use the word fellowship to equal something more along the lines of friendship. Now, that's just how our culture uses the word, and that's fine. And so Bible translators want to use words that actually help us get beyond the surface friendship and into a deeper word. So that's why it says participation or partnership here in verse 5. So we need to understand that when we talk about the fellowship of the church, we are talking about something that is more involved than friendship. It it requires a mutual participation. And what is this participation? Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul and the Philippians were connected by their personal relationship, but they were also connected by their ongoing gospel activity centered on Jesus Christ. Over what period of time? From the first time even until now. So as the church was started, they caught the message that they were to be active participants in the gospel. That means living out the gospel, the the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins, that he brought about the the righteousness that they needed. Uh, So it's living out the gospel. It's sharing the gospel with others, letting other people know as to why it is that they're different. I'm different and I live a holy life not because I'm better than anyone else, certainly not that I'm better than uh, anyone I might talk to, but because Jesus has changed me. It's the partnership he's talking about, that ongoing activity. So even though they had been separated physically for a good decade, and in that time, communication back and forth would have been few and, and far between. I mean, they... They certainly didn't have video calls. They didn't have phone calls. They didn't have text messaging. There was not even a reliable and inexpensive postal system. I mean, they they could send messages from time to time, but uh, that was uh, much more of a burden than what we would face in sending communication. So their communication was, was little, but their relationship stood. Why? Because they, they had the same focus. They were on the same page, as it were, as to what they were supposed to be about as the church in promoting and advancing the gospel. Their bond of fellowship was strong because it was not, not because it was based on an ongoing conversation, it wasn't. It was strong because it was based on Jesus Christ. So we see in the first few verses the joy of gospel fellowship. Verse 6, we see the confidence of gospel fellowship. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Man, that is an incredible confidence that he expresses right there. I 
am sure. How many things are you absolutely sure of? Are you 100% sure that your car will get you home without having any problems today? It's probably going to happen, but are you sure? Are you 100% sure that this structure is going to remain intact through the end of this service? Probably will. But are we absolutely sure? Are you without a doubt going to still be breathing by the end of the service? I sure hope so. But we cannot be 100% certain, right? Now, we can't live life doubting every little thing, right? I'm not standing here shaking, thinking the floor is going to give way. But when it comes to the way Paul words this, he leaves no room for doubt. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He started it. He will finish it. And praise the Lord for that. What is this good work he's talking about? Well, it's salvation. Paul's confidence is not misplaced. For his confidence is not in how the Philippians are behaving or how they're thinking or how they're speaking. His confidence is in Jesus Christ. That he is the one who gave them faith to believe. He is the one who will keep them believing. He is the one who will purify them so that they will be perfectly righteous to enter the gates of heaven. Because we have to be perfectly righteous to be in the presence of God. And we cannot do that on our own. Jesus has to do it. Are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ for your salvation? If you've never come to him with the kind of faith that says something like, Jesus, if you don't save me, I can't be saved. Or to put it another way, if you think you're okay in God's eyes, but that okayness is based on your own character or actions, then you still have a problem there. You are still on your way to a Christless eternity, characterized by separation from all that is good, characterized by pain and torment, and characterized by never having relief from it. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will complete what he has started in you. So let us not grow weary as we desire to live godly lives. Why does it seem like we keep failing? If you're truly a a believer in Jesus Christ, first of all, you are still going to sin. But secondly, if you're a believer in Christ, you should be convicted of that sin. And that can be discouraging, can't it? Because I sinned, and I know it's wrong, and I want to turn from it, and I confessed it, and, I, and I've turned my life back towards God, but then it's still nagging there, and I still am tempted from time to time, and I still give in from time to time. Yes, we are commanded to put off these sins that cling tightly to us, 
and we should desire to put them off, and yet we still struggle. How long? How long until this gets finished? Well, at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, for the rest of our earthly lives, we will have that tension and that struggle. And that's by design. So that we'll recognize how much we must rely on Jesus' work to save us. Because if it, if it were up to us to retain our salvation through our own good works and thoughts and deeds, we would all fail. Yet Paul writes with great confidence in God that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. He has joy of gospel fellowship, confidence of gospel fellowship, and thirdly, participation of gospel fellowship in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul's love for the believers in Philippi is not simply based on fond memories of time gone by, and I don't doubt that that's part of his affection, but that's not the foundation of his affection for the people in Philippi. The two reasons that he cites that are uh, why, he, uh, why he has joy in the church, why he's grat- grateful for the church, the two reasons he cites are the ways the Philippian church was actively involved. He says, they were partakers with me of grace. In two ways, in my imprisonment and, secondly, the defense and confirmation of the gospel. That word partakers, you guessed it, is a form of the word koinonia. That word fellowship, ones who fellowship. He mentions their active involvement. Remember, koinonia is a relationship and an involvement. He mentions their active involvement in his imprisonment. Now, that is something that would not make sense in our culture. Uh, If you are imprisoned, you are given a bunk, you are given a mattress and some bedding, you've got uh, some water facilities available to you, you get three square meals a day. Yes, it's prison, your freedoms are greatly restricted. However, you will live. It was not necessarily guaranteed that a prisoner in his day would live. If someone wasn't regularly providing supplies for him, he would get cold, not having blankets. He would go hungry, not having food. And the Roman government didn't care. If you were imprisoned for whatever law you broke, in Paul's case, he was counted as a rabble rouser for sharing the gospel of all things. And he's in prison. And if people weren't supplying him with his food, his necessities, and any kind of creature comforts, he would have to simply just go without. The believers of Philippi had help in his imprisonment, and that meant so much to Paul. It's not hard to imagine that it would. But beyond that, not only were they partakers in his imprisonment, they were partakers in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Looking into this this week, the, those two words, just fascinating, being paired together. Now, I realize I'm a nerd. You may not find the fascination that I did. It's okay. 
but I enjoyed studying these two words. To defend the message of the gospel is to speak out against those who would deny it or those who would doubt it. So Paul is grateful and joyful and thankful for the Philippians who would, uh, would actively speak out, uh, speak out in defense of the gospel, defending the gospel, helping others who just reject it or those who disagree with it or those who don't understand it. They would, they would defend the truth of the gospel. But more than that, it says the confirmation of the gospel, that word confirm means to cause others to have complete confidence. So they were not only defending against those who were against the gospel, they were actually helping others to come to a point where they were no longer against it. They were convinced of the gospel. We call that evangelism, don't we? We call that sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with people who don't know so that they too can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So the, the Philippians have been defending the gospel and convincing others of the truth of the gospel. Guess what? That's exactly what Paul has been doing. In fact, he'll share later about uh, some of the ways he's been able to do that, even while in chains. It didn't matter to him that he was being imprisoned. He was still preaching the gospel and people were still getting saved. Isn't that amazing? In other words, the Philippians had the same vision that Paul had in making Christ known through the good news. He had a vision for telling people. He had a, a passion or a motivation, whichever one of those words you want to use, to, <clears throat> to share the gospel with people and to see them come to accept it. The Philippian church had that same vision. The gospel is our foundation for fellowship. We come from various backgrounds. We have various hobbies and various interests that might make us all separated. But because of Jesus Christ and his gospel, we as a church are one. We too, like Paul, can experience joy because of that gospel fellowship. I tell you, I love my congregation, this family that I am a part of, that we share. We share in our struggles, we share, share in our joys, and it brings me great joy to be your pastor. We share the confidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the, the no holds barred, the, the no doubt at all that he expresses in this passage, that I am absolutely sure Jesus is going to accomplish in you what he started. And he knows that because he knows Jesus. <coughs> I assume I will cough that out immediately after church. That's always how it works. He has great confidence and expresses that to his people. And then finally, He's grateful for their participation, that ongoing uh, message of the gospel. Grace Baptist Church is a great fellowship. We relate well to one another. We participate in various ways in one another's lives. Uh, and for the most part, this is true. We are a, a great fellowship. 
while it's true that there are a lot of people who have family relationships in this church, for many of us, the foundation of how we relate to each other is Jesus alone. And even in those of you who are related to a number of each other, I see the foundation of Jesus at work in your life as well, and I am grateful. But what about the activity side of that fellowship coin? If one side is relationship and the other side is activity, is our participation with one another rooted in gospel purposes? Pay attention. I see this as a good news, bad news thing. Uh, the bad news is, is we're, we're not attained, but the good news is we're growing. I'm seeing it more and more. I've been here long enough to see the growth and how people are being more gospel focused. I see evidence of this kind of growth of how people are intentionally sharing their faith with others. And, and they're excited to tell me about it. Before, I had to ask and kind of dig to get people, uh, how are you sharing your faith with others? And now people are coming up to me and saying, you know, I had the opportunity to share faith. They didn't accept Christ yet, but I shared my faith this week. If you are skeptical of the growth that I see, you can ask me afterwards, and I'll give you some names. I didn't want to name names this morning. I don't think those people would appreciate it. But I see growth in this congregation, and that is the good. We are growing. We have a long way to go. That's okay. A ship going slowly but in the right direction will get to its destination much quicker than a ship going the wrong direction. The thing about gospel fellowship is that it is a group thing, but it is composed of individuals. So as an individual, are you participating in the gospel? Are you genuinely part of this fellowship in in having gospel motivations and purposes in your heart that shows in how you act and how you speak? Or are you just kind of along for the ride? Maybe you desire to be more gospel motivated in your activities, but you just don't know how. It's a great starting point. Uh, Pastor Dan and I would love to help point you in the right direction and get you started. That's okay. Paul thanks God for the believers in Philippi, and I thank God for you. We are in this together. We are a fellowship pointed in the direction of Jesus Christ. May we continue to grow individually, and may that light shine. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this passage where Paul just opens up his heart and, and shows the Philippians uh, how uh, he really does have this love for them, uh, even though he, he doesn't get to be with them. Lord, I pray that our love for each other would be based upon Jesus Christ as well, that our love for each other would be rooted and grounded in the good news that Jesus died for our sins and, and paid the penalty, gave us his righteousness, and gave us this, uh, this priceless message to share with others. Help us to really see it as that, as a priceless message, and that we wouldn't hesitate to, to share it with those who, who don't yet know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, thank you for this, this fellowship, this congregation, this family that we're able to be a part of. Help us to live for you and love one another throughout this week. In Jesus' name.